Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy from Kids Views. I am here in studio today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hi, Amy. Hello. And not Andrea Smith, who's off gallivanting in Scotland. I feel like that's the right word to use for Scotland. She is. She's gallivanting, <laughs> and I, I've been watching her on Instagram. She tried haggis. I know. That's disgusting. Yeah. She didn't look real. thrilled with it. No, it just looked like a plate of blood. <laughs> it looked really <laughs> nasty. Maybe we'll post a picture of that so everyone can enjoy. Um, but she looks like she's having an incredible time. Oh, it's yeah. Gorgeous. Um, so we'll hear about that when she gets back. Today on the show, we are really excited because we are interviewing Dr. Kara Natterson, or Natterson, I confused her A's, Dr. Kara Natterson um, of Worry Proof MD, but she's also the author of our beloved book, Karen Keeping a View, the American Girl Book for Girls, and the new book, Guy Stuff, which is all about puberty and sexuality and sex for boys the long waited book that every mom and dad of a boy yes. has been waiting for um it's finally here so we're going to talk to her about both those books about talking to your kid about puberty and then we'll have our bites of the week talking tech apps entertainment and issues around parenting the digital generation this is parenting bites with rebecca levy so we are really excited today to jump into this first segment we have dr cara natterson on the phone she's also the author of I think a book that many people in our audience know or should know which is The Care and Keeping of You um, which is an American Girl book which I think is the must buy when you have a girl and thankfully one of the reasons we're having her on today is they finally put out a boy version called Guy Stuff which I think moms of boys have been clamoring forever and Amy you can attest to that with the boy yeah too late for me with my 16 year old man I wish (laughs) this had come out six years ago (laughs) But um, Dr. Karen Natterson, we are so excited to have you with us today. Oh, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So I want to talk a little bit. You, your background is you are a real doctor. You're not like fake Dr. Kara. You're, you're an actual <laughs> pediatrician. Um, yeah. And Worry Proof MD is a. I love that that's your website. I love that that's sort of your motto because that is day one of parenting, right? The first time you become a parent, worry just seeps right in there, along with the guilt. Oh. <laughs> guilt and worry That's seep right. right in. We, we all know what it feels like. I have a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, and, and even I was worried day one. So um, my job when I was a practicing pediatrician was to help alleviate uh, that, that fear, that worry, and then to, to tell people when they needed to worry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things that's really special about these books is that there are a lot of books out there. And since even I was little and a child of the 70s that were about how to talk to your kids about sex. Um, and that seemed to be the talk that was the most important talk. And it sort of skipped over how you would even get to be that person who would have sex Mm -hmm. (laughs) like what you were going to go through to get there and I think that's what's so incredible about the care and keeping of you and now guy stuff is this is really about how to talk to your kids about what is happening to them what will happen to them um, in the here and now as their bodies just start to change and and they don't really have a lot of control over that so can you talk a little bit about how, how you approach these books and 
where you saw this need. Oh, absolutely. And I think you framed it very well because sex education is very important. But it, when you look at sort of developmentally when kids are ready, when it's an age-appropriate topic, if we wait until kids are ready to have conversations about sex, we have missed a huge opportunity that lasts several years about early health and wellness, early puberty, mid-puberty, right? Because kids are growing and developing and really individuating starting when they, initially when they go to school. So parents have kindergartners who are leaving the, the nest, if you will, and they're going to school and they're trying to become these independent beings. And, and if we haven't taught our kids or started conversations with our kids, even as young as four and five, about how to make good food choices or why they need exercise or why they need to brush their teeth, not just go brush your teeth, but why you need to brush your teeth, we haven't empowered them to be independent in the way that that we need to. And it's so funny that these hygiene conversations, these basic sort of life staple conversations get lumped into the sex ed books. It's like, right. oh, you, you got to, you know, wash your face and get eight hours of sleep. And by the way, here's how it works with making a baby. <laughs> right. So <laughs> the beauty of the Karen Keeping line that is actually almost 20 years old, it's incredible, wow. um, is that it, it, it split it, right? It said, hey, when you're seven or eight years old, you're entitled to start to really understand how these things work and start having conversations with your parents and asking questions. And the books were designed to span several years, so they walk girls through what's going to happen during puberty. They're not necessarily meant to be read in a single setting. Some younger girls will just read certain chapters and then they'll move on. They're, they're not interested in breast development or periods, um, but then they'll pick up the book again later. When I, I joined um, the Karen Keeping line about five or six years ago, it, it preceded me. I was a pediatrician in training when the original book came out, and it was written by a staff writer at American Girl. Um, an incredible resource became a cult favorite within a year. And when I joined the line, I joined because so many parents had come to me and said, number one, can you give us another one? We want more information for our older girls. And number two, is there anything for boys? So the first mm -hmm. book that I launched with them, I, I updated the original Karen Keeping in, in 2013, and we launched Karen Keeping of You Too for older girls. But um, I have been really battling hard for about five or six years to get the boy content out because it is remarkably similar to the girl content. And I think that's, if, if people take nothing from this conversation other than that, that's the most important thing. Bodies are bodies, humans are humans. Hand washing has nothing to do with whether you're male or female, right? right. How much sleep you, <laughs> you need, emotional wellness, communication with your family, life. These are gender neutral topics. So there's a little bit in the book, sure, that is boy specific and guy stuff and girl specific in, in the care and keeping. But by and large, what we're trying to do is show kids that growing up is human and all of these things you do to make yourself healthy and safe are human. I think what's really nice about these books too is it gives both parents the opportunity um, to have this talk with their kid regardless of you know whether you're opposite gender, same gender, because I think sometimes um, that's where parents get tripped up if you're a dad and you, your daughter comes to you and you're not sure what to do if you're a mom and your son comes to you, um, you know, that 
this is like such an easy way in, especially because of how you just framed it, that this happens to everybody. <laughs> and there are some gender specific things, but that's, they're, they're minor, right? Those are just those physical characteristics. And maybe the, some parts for kids, those are the most frightening things is those. Yes, they feel major. Yeah. For sure. Right? Um, but you're right. I mean, these are, they, this is a, a, an access point for, certainly the girl book was an access point for dads. That's the most common letter I get is from dad saying, thank you, because now I feel like I can talk to my daughter. Um, and given that we have shifting family structures in this country, mm-hmm. um, you know, you do need to be able to provide information for adults of both genders to speak with kids of both genders about their growing and changing bodies. And frankly, adults of all ages. I get grandparents who come in who say, thank you. You know, there was, there was nothing like this when I was growing up. So it's, it's really an incredible set of resources. Interestingly, um, with guy stuff, I think dads, you know, dads are left out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And they're left out of the conversation because when they were younger, they were socialized not to talk about any of this stuff. And so my hope with guy stuff is we're going to start to socialize boys to actually talk about their bodies and to ask questions, not necessarily publicly if they don't want to, but certainly to ask trusted adults in their life. And hopefully we will start to turn the tide where when these boys are fathers, they are more comfortable talking about the content of what happens when you grow up. And I've already gotten comments from dad saying, you know, thank you for teaching me how to talk about these things with my son, which surprised me. I only expected that from moms, and I, I'm getting it from dads. I have one of those husbands, and um, it, it's it's frustrating because I have to threaten him. Like, you know, <laughs> if, if you don't talk to our son about this stuff, I'm going to do it, and who do you think our son wants to hear it from? So having this, yeah. this book, you know, I, I wish that it had come out before because it would have been a great way to open up the conversation. But for my daughter, who is 13, um, she's a couple years younger than Rebecca's daughters, so I think when she was 10 or 11, I went to Rebecca and said, Do you, are there any books you can recommend? And she immediately recommended yours. And the great thing is I'm, I'm ready, willing, and able to happily and bluntly answer any question that my daughter throws at me. My daughter does not want to ask me anything. Right. She's <laughs> very shy about this stuff. She's mortified when I start talking about this stuff. So it's also great for kids who really need this information but are just not comfortable talking to adults about it. And she'll come with to me with, you know, some questions that the book has brought up that maybe she needs to go a little deeper into. So it's it's been such a great conversation starter. Yeah, I'll say we kept our um, copy in the bathroom. <laughs> to your point about them not being ready for different things, it was probably in the bathroom for a good five years. <laughs> like, that's great. Because I think that's what they would do is just sort of pick it up when they all of a sudden were like, you know what, I have a question about that. Um, so I, I, I recommend that. Rating. <laughs> I recommend you know, that. I do think it's so important to highlight that every family has different dynamics and some parents are chattier than others some Mm -hmm. kids are chattier than others i i know families where they don't they can't talk about these things it just for whatever reason it's really uncomfortable so they keep a journal and they pass it back and forth and they write down their questions or comments because that feels more comfortable Um, is that interesting the best trick i ever learned when i was a young pediatrician and um and uh, for any parents who are struggling with how do you bring up um, awkward or, or sticky conversations with your kids. Um, 
don't look them in the eye when you're asking them questions. So what that means is if you're driving in the car and you're in the front seat and they're in the back seat, great time to bring up an awkward conversation because you don't have to look at each other. Or at night, you know how when the lights go out, Mm -hmm. that's when your kids start asking questions, right? Why? Because they're not looking at you. It's very embarrassing to look your parent in the eye and ask something. So there are a lot of strategies that parents can use to try to to start these conversations, but um, oftentimes it'll be both of you read the book separately, and then you, you can leapfrog over those awkward initial conversations, and you can just jump to the bigger questions. So let's talk a little bit about guy stuff since it's new. Um, and you talked about how, you know, and we all, our experience too, is that parents of boys were dying for a book like this. Yes. And so I'm guessing that boys were probably dying for a book like this too and just, you know, didn't have a way to to talk about that. Um, so I'm, I haven't looked through it yet, so I have to admit, but since you've said it's so similar to Care and Keeping of You, and, and obviously we talked about that overlap, I think... I'm just going to generalize. Boys are a little more reticent than girls to approach this stuff and talk about it. And I feel like the way that puberty has been framed for boys in general in the media and movies is always like as a joke. Like everything yeah. that's happened to them is as a joke and it's funny. And like girls, I feel like the converse is everything's a little shameful. Um, yeah. And so I loved in Karen Keeping of You that, you know, when you talk about periods, you just talk about periods you just talk about tampons like there's there's not the like horrible oops story you know all these things they're supposed to be shame ridden with that and I think it just put it out there and I think with boys I'm imagining that that's how those conversations are going um in the book too can you can you talk a little bit about that I I will say um to your opening point um I think almost all boys are clamoring for it, except for um, one little boy who lives in my house. <laughs> was horrified. <laughs> just, and his sister says, well, welcome to my life. Right. <laughs> this is her story, so um, that's just a side note. Um, you know, I, I did, the biggest difference between the two books, other than the 20 pages that cover, um, you know, sort of secondary sex characteristics and genitals and things like that, um, the biggest difference is tone, and that's because of exactly what you've identified, which is culturally we address these topics differently. Uh, we talk, girls, girls do talk a lot about their bodies and body development. Um, it, there is tons of content, whether it's in film, TV, on digital platforms, in magazines, in books. There are, you know, Judy Bloom sort of started this trend mm-hmm. decades ago with, with a, the normalization of conversation about periods and bodies. So it's, Girls are, are used to having a conversation, but yes, there is this element of shame sometimes around it. For boys, they're not used to having a conversation at all, and I think that's where you see the humor piece come in. What we did is we opted to take that humor thread and, and flip it just a little. So guy stuff is very funny. It's very funny, but it, the text isn't funny. The text is factual in much the same way that the, the Karen Keeping text is factual. What's funny is the, the illustrations and the captions with the illustrations that just, uh, they are, they're just silly at times and very uh, smart humor, but, um, and I didn't draw them, uh, a guy named Michael Player <laughs> who has two sons drew them, so I give him tons of credit. But, um, but that's where we sort of take their comfort zone, which is humor, and we inject it in the book, but, but the text is straight fact and content so that they are not confused. We're not making light of it. We are really trying to bring them in with what the tone that they feel comfortable with, but then give them really clear, succinct facts 
so that they can take best care of themselves. Well, I, I think that in in popular culture, you know, it's not there's there's room for humor in everything, but in popular culture, it makes fun of what's happening to the boys at right. such right. a vulnerable time. Well, they're boys writing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not girls writing that that's, stuff. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm. So yeah. humor is good. I'm glad that you kept the humor in. Um, but you know, boys are they they can be a lot more sensitive than they let on to that stuff. In fact, I think they often are. I think we, as a culture, we do um, a, a very good, and I mean this in the worst kind of way, we do a very good job of, of trying to wring the sensitivity out of our boys as mm. they grow up. And I talk about that in the book a little bit. There's a, the emotions section, the feeling section of the book, um, for the boy book is actually twice as long as for the girl book, which wow. is incredible. And the reason why is because boys don't talk about emotions and feelings and processing these feelings and being sensitive. This is not a topic that comes up regularly for them. And so I felt that we really needed to address it. And a lot of it talks about manning up and sort of holding on to the ability to be sensitive and to cry, just to find the appropriate places to do it. So that again, you're, you're, you're walking that fine line between shame and, and sort of owning that humans are emotional. And that's okay, that's actually great. So hopefully, you know, this starts to shift uh, the conversation a little bit. Well, I think it's great. I think this book was so anticipated <laughs> and long in coming. I know when I posted about it on Facebook, the reaction was insane. How many people were like, finally, finally, I'm so excited. Like, it was crazy. Um, so I'm so glad that you did this. And I'm so glad American Girl stepped forward to do this as well. Um, and yeah, and care and keeping of you, I think it's just, it's certainly a classic at this point. <laughs> um, and as you said before, I think before that it was, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret. And, <laughs> you know, and, That's right. and That's 17 right. Magazine. Um, and Sassy. And That's sa- what got me right. through with Sassy. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, but I think this is great. And we're so happy that you took the time to talk to us today. We'll have links to, to your page, to worryproofmd.com, and to the books um, on our Facebook page and on our website. And thanks so much for talking to us this morning. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We are back with our Bites of the Week, and it's just it's just you and I, yes. Amy. Well, I, I almost feel like my bites should be... Um, Rebites of things <laughs> that that you and Andrea have done because like regurgitating, yeah. <laughs> because like I I get more out of our bites than you will ever know. Um, a few weeks ago, Andrea recommended the Vo speaker for the oh, the yeah. Echo Dot. I bought one. I'm in love with it. Um, since you've recommended the creamy corn pasta from uh, <laughs> Melissa Clark, I've made it twice. <laughs> it is amazing. Um, but I do have my own bite. Uh, it's an Instagram feed called Unspirational. And <laughs> I really cannot stand inspirational quotes. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just a contrarian. But, you know, you, you tell me to be happy and look on the bright side. And I'm like, F you. <laughs> um, so this is like me in Instagram form. Um, here are a few examples. Eat like no one will see you naked. <laughs> it's never too early to go back to bed. And this is my favorite. 
the best things in life are actually really expensive. <laughs> and of course, they're done, you know, over dreamy right. beach scenes, like the inspirational like posters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's I love it. If, if you need if you need to be a little more cynical, just scroll through the inspirational Instagram feed. They should make college dorm room posters out of those <laughs> instead of the like, the oh, cat, I would you know, buy them. There. I would totally buy oh, them. That's so funny. All right. Well, my bite this week, um, I actually had two. Since Andrea's not here, I'll do one for her. So the first one is, I can't even believe I have to like talk about this, but there is a new um, attempt by the White House to block summer work visas. And this block will basically put every summer camp out of business. Yeah, like... Every oh my god! Yes. Every counselor at both every, of my kids' camps yes. are foreigners. Yes. So <gasps> the camps do a huge Why? amount of recruiting to, in in England and Australia, and so this visa would no longer allow summer camp visas um, and day camps. So if you have a kid at camp who had a counselor from any other place other than the United States. Uh, they, and it's not like they're filling them with these kids because these kids are cheaper. No, there aren't enough American 19 and 20 and 21-year-olds who want to be a camp counselor for right. the summer. That's why they do it. And there's huge job fairs in England where they get everybody. We actually, to the point, and I will tell you the directors of our camp have never done anything political, sent us an email saying, this is coming up for vote. You must contact your representatives to tell them this bill can't go through. I'm hopeful it won't go through because camp associations are very powerful in very important states. Like right, we're rooting for the lobbyists yes. this time. We're rooting for the people who are Republican in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, yeah. Michigan, Maine, New Hampshire. Um, to be like, oh my God, this would decimate our oh, s- summer industry. Both of my kids' kids' camps are in very Republican, conservative yeah, areas. So too. yeah, hopefully that'll that'll do it. Yeah. So I'm hoping, but we'll have a link to the petition, and you can sign it, um, where they send a letter to the White House and each of your representatives saying this program stinks. I'm sure the bill, the original intention is to stop like migrant farm workers, like to have these summer visas, which also decimates all the farms, right? Like which all is the also pointless, us. right? Um, but anyway, that's my number one bite. And we'll put a link to that so everyone can <laughs> sign. Um, and my second bite is Friday Night Lights, which is not new. I've never seen it. <gasps> okay. So here's the deal. So we were watching, I can't even remember what teen show I was watching with my daughter. And it all of a sudden occurred to me that she had never seen Friday Night Lights, which is the ultimate high school show on high school football show and not stupid like gossip girl but realistic show and everyone's been talking about um this is us and this is us and this is us and it's coming back and you know everyone's crying all the time if you like this is us which i've also never seen then you should see the show that started his career the showrunner jason katims which is friday night lights huh. um he also did parenthood so he's a he's a good one for the show but it's so good and it stands up a thousand percent even though it's 10 years old already um and you have to watch it now because it's going away <laughs> like october something from netflix no. and maybe it'll then go to hulu or something but aren't there like a million seasons that i would have to so watch between 70 now and episodes oh my god um i it's i'm not a binge watcher it's so good and you have to, so i started watching with one of my daughters my other daughter's convalesced but this one daughter and 
she was like, I don't want to watch a show about football. I'm like, it is not about football. It is Football is like the fifth thing that this show is okay. about. It's about this small town that revolves around football. It's about a best marriage on TV, which is coach and coach's wife. There's <laughs> Connie Britton, who's always amazing. Um, but it's about, it's just so good. So watch it. I highly recommend it. It's totally a show you should watch with your teen. Um, we'll have to make sure that Andrea gets this bite because she and her husband are binge watchers and they're oh, only happy true. if there are like 70 episodes <laughs> to watch at once. I know. It's definitely daunting. My daughter's like, I'm never going to make it by the time it goes. I have to go back to school. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, we'll find it somewhere. I'm sure it'll be moving to something else. You but use Play On and download all of them exactly. to your computer. So um, that's, a, that's, that's my uh, second bite. Friday Night Lights, if you have not seen it, now is the time. All right, that is our show for today. Thanks, Amy. We will Happy have, to be back. Yay! I know, we're back in our studio. It's been a long break, yes. and Amy survived the woods. I did. So we will have a link to everything we talked about today on the show on facebook.com slash parentingbytes and parentingbytes.com. Find us on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, share. My God, it's a new school year. I feel like it's a brand new year. So you can also find us on play.it, where you can find Parenting Bites and all the CBS podcasts. Until next week. Happy parenting. Bye. Bye. Bye.